We are uh, reading through the Gospel of Luke as a church, and this morning I want us to read <clears throat> together Luke chapter 2. Uh, it was the reading from last Monday. We um, were reading together. So I'd like you to stand and read with me. Uh, it's going to be on the screen, Luke chapter 2. Um, it always takes a while for people to stand. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> I'll get you to read the underlined yellow part in the reading. And, and uh, do it with a little zipping zesto and that kind of stuff. All right? <clears throat> All right, here we go. Joseph went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. And this will be a sign to you. And this will be a sign to you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, I've actually lost my place. Oh, there it is. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And all who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all of these words and pondered them in her heart. Before you're seated, last Sunday, Cobway asked all the people that were born outside of Canada to uh, stand. And I was so taken by it, I forgot to stand because I was born in Columbia, South America. But wasn't that pretty cool to see? So as you're seated, tell somebody where you were born. Just tell them where you were born and see what happens. Turn to them, tell them where...
Most of you know uh, probably that I am <clears throat> the chaplain for the city police, and I just love that, love that role. Um, last week I was with one, uh, one of the new police officers from, actually from Minto, and I go out sometimes on ride-alongs just to, just to let them know uh, who I am and find out who they are. And we're, we were having a conversation, and I was asking uh, this officer where they were from, a little bit of history, kind of that, that kind of stuff. And then they asked me, where are you from? And, and I said, well, actually, I was born in Cali, Colombia, and then we went, uh, my parents were missionaries, and we went to Uruguay, and from Uruguay, uh, we went and moved to Brazil, and then from Brazil, we moved to Peru, and from Peru, uh, in between that, we came to Canada, went back to Peru, uh, then, um, then we went uh, back to Canada, and then we went to Spain, and then I came back from Spain, and then I got married and went back, and as I'm telling this story, this a police officer's eyes are getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And it's like, hokey lift and die. Like what kind of a, you know, it's like, because he, here's the thing, for that officer, uh, all they knew me as is my persona, my, what, what image they have of me is what they've seen there. And, and in their mind, I am the Ferdington Police Chaplain uh, Werner Drost. But the fact is, there are a lot of aspects of my life that um, people don't know. Like, for example, that for this officer, had no idea that I spoke Spanish, that I lived a third of my life in Latin uh, Spanish countries. Uh, and so there is the Spanish Latino Werner. And some of you have never met that guy. But, but that is a real guy. And, and then there's kind of the, the papa, daddy, uh, husband, um, uh, you know, as you can see, goofy um, uh, Werner. And then, there's, and then there is the pastor Werner that has to be, you know, Mr. Mr. Reverend Pastor kind of thing. So the, the interesting thing about this is the, the chaplain Werner is, he, you know, he's in uniform very often, uh, very controlled, looking very official. Um, in fact, I, I remember one time uh, going down the road, I was on my way to a meeting and I had the full, um, the full, uh, you know, decorated uniform on and, and uh, the RCMP were doing a, a thing, uh, stopping cars and stuff. And when they saw me, they squared off and saluted. And I thought, well, this is pretty cool. This is pretty cool. I could speed and they'd never stop me, you know, like I, you know, oh, I'll let him buy. And, you know, because from afar, they can't read chaplain. And then when they see chaplain, oh, well, you know, chaplain, who's he? You know, but, but then there's a Spanish-Latino Werner. And that, uh, they talk Spanish, uh, uses lots of actions with his conversation. Very animate, very passionate that you've never met. Would you like to meet that? that would you like? Okay, so we have with us... Uh, David Dross that was born in Spain and he's going to come and we'll do the, we'll show you what Spanish Werner looks like. Hola, Pepe, ¿qué me dices? ¿Qué me dices? Oye. ¿Qué tal? Hombre, hombre. Hombre, ¿qué? Mira, el, el domingo pasado el Real Madrid jugó, el Real pero, Madrid, pero el Real bien, Madrid, ¿eh? ¿qué me dices? Pero el Real bien. Madrid. Hombre, ¿Y el Málaga? Ma 
Málaga es el mejor, el Málaga es el mejor, te lo digo yo, el Málaga es el mejor, es el mejor. No, Anda, que eres que no. idiota, que eres idiota, vete ya, vete ya, vete ya, vete ya, vete ya, que no sabes nada, que no sabes nada. So I, I, this, this is real, this is real, this is me with my buddies in Spain and that is normal. And when, my, when I married my wife, who is from Boys Town from here, and she first went over to Spain, she thought we were all angry and fighting. And she says, why is everybody mad? Why is everybody angry? And I said, what do you mean angry? No, 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 no. We're having a good time. We're, we're, this is good. You know, and, and I think that a little bit, if you're French background, you could understand some of that. But, uh, and, and that's just the reality. And pastors get together. I get you. And they get arguing about something doctrinal. And they'll hit the table and smell you. Like that. Get rid of and, and you think, oh, my God, if you did that here, This is where we're polite, and we say, I'm sorry because I said I'm sorry. And, and uh, this, is, this is, so, you know, how many know that the Latino Spanish Werner cannot do that at the police station? They just can't do that. So here's, here's the, the papa dad husband Werner. He's the goofy guy. He loves to play Monopoly, and he likes to... Uh, you know, barbecue, and he likes to do breakfast for the kids, and he likes doing that kind of stuff. He likes just having a little bit of fun with family. And then there's the pastor Werner who preaches and teaches and, and does weddings and funerals and, and prays for people. That, those, but here's the thing. All those personas, all those images, all those, all those uh, types of Werner are the same guy. And, and in no way is... Is Werner being fake in any one of those circumstances? That's just another phase of, of my life. So I say all that to say this. All four portions or all four gospels in the New Testament, they are all, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they are all different aspects or different ways of seeing the beautiful and amazing person that Jesus Christ is. And if you, if you explore that, you know, um, some people, they, they, they have a, a limited capacity. Like, like for, for me, for me, there's only some people that know all of my aspects. My wife does, my kids do, and my close friends do. They, they see all those other aspects in my life. But, but the four gospels are, are they, they are portraits or paintings of what each gospel writer is trying to show you an aspect of Jesus. And so what we often do is, is we try to merge them. We try to, we try to put them together. And, and when we do, that creates a little bit of a, a problem. For example, at Christmas time, The manger scene. When you see the manger scene, here's, here's one picture of the manger scene. You, 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 you look at this, and really, when I, when I look at this, I say, this is a bit of a monster. Why is it? Well, because, for instance, Matthew's magi are sitting at the manger with Luke's uh, shepherds. And then we have goats, and, and we have uh, oxen, and sheep that come from other parts of the Gospels, 
I don't, I'm not sure where the camel comes from, but, but, but they're, they're, it, and you go, and you get a wrong understanding of the story, and that's because we're merging things that shouldn't be merged. And, and, and each gospel, now there's some stories that the gospel writers will do all, all of them will do the same story. Uh, like for instance, the one alabaster, one that uh, Jill mentioned, that's in all four gospels. But, but, but sometimes we try to merge things and, and really we, the gospel writers, the intent is for, for, them, for us to look at that aspect of, oops, sorry, this is tangling up back here. And I'm, I'm, this aspect of the story they're, they're wanting us to see this aspect of Jesus. Richard uh, uh, Burgess's classical bestseller book, Four Gospels, One Jesus, brings out the importance of treating the four Gospels as four portraits of one Jesus. And he also reminds us that historically the church has connected these four Gospels to the four creatures that appear in Ezekiel chapter 1, in the vision that Ezekiel had, and also in Revelation chapter 4. And, and all traditions, those, I mean, you'll, if you go to churches and cathedrals and, uh, and Christian art, you will see the, in stained glass windows, for example, you'll see these four images that represent sometimes with a book in their hand, sometimes with the name of one of the gospel writers. And if you look at that carefully, you'll see the face of a man, the face of an eagle, the face uh, of, of a lion, and the face of an ox. And they represent the four gospels. The image of a man is the image of Matthew. Matthew paints Jesus. He starts off the gospel talking about the birth of Christ and his genealogy and talks to us about his ancestors and mentions some women that really had some very problematic things. He brings Jesus down to earth for us and, and it, the promised king, the son of David, the son of man, and the rabbi teacher. Then there's the, the image of a lion is connected to Mark. And the lion, because Mark... Mark is very fast. It's, he's jumping all over the place and he's, he, he boldly, aggressively proclaims from verse one, right from verse one, he says, he talks, he says, Christ, the son of God. Now we're used to hearing that, but somebody reading that, Christ, the son of God, is very in your face. And he jumps around, uh, something like uh, the Aslan lion in C.S. Lewis's Narnia series, he rushes on and on, never missing his footing, never hesitating. Mark often uses, in fact, 36 times he uses the word immediately, immediately. And all the way through the Gospel of Mark, in fact, the way to read Mark is to read it fast. Because he is really pouncing and going for it. And, and, and even the words of John the Baptist are very fast, aggressive, and in your face. Whereas, whereas Luke is the image of the, of, of, of the ox. And, and the ox is the burden bearer. And, and so the interesting thing about, about that is, is that, I mean, in our culture, an ox is kind of like a slow, stupid, uh, clumsy animal. But in Bible context, 
and, and we're reading the Bible, so we have to put it in that context. The, the, the ox is the burden of strength. And to have an ox was very, very good because it meant that you had, it was like having a great big tractor that you own. It was, it was important. And often, even all through the Bible, the horns of an ox are recognized as a symbol of power and strength. And all through the book of Luke, uh, Luke represents Jesus as, as strength and power, pulling people, coming to save people. Coming, it's, it's almost like you break down on the road and somebody brings their tractor and pulls you out and, and says, let me tow you out. That's the gospel of Luke, whereas the fourth gospel, John, is the eagle. And John, from the very beginning, paints Jesus as the descending from heaven, the one made in in, in, in heaven and the one eternal and soaring the heavens and he descends on earth with the love and the passion to rescue and attack and take us to himself. And those, those are the, the, the beautiful expressions that are coming through the gospels. And as we examine each gospel, right now we're looking at Luke, but as we examine the, from the four different uh, forms of approaching it, we get this beautiful understanding and a deeper picture of who Jesus is, his mission, his passion, his, his uh, purpose, his, his plan, his love for people, his, his destiny to the cross, where, you know, like Mark sends him triumphantly fighting for the cross, whereas as Luke takes him plodding along like an oxen, taking his time, bringing people with him. And there's this beautiful, beautiful picture of how Jesus comes to rescue us from our sins. And so during this season, we're exploring Jesus from the vantage point of the ox, of, of the Luke's gospel. So you say, what's with the blue balloon. Didn't you say that? Did somebody wonder what's with, did somebody think, wonder? How many wondered what's with the blue, there you go. Uh, so here, here's, here's, here's this crazy preacher's illustration. Have you ever been invited to a birthday party um, or an anniversary and somebody says, can you come and you say, I'm going, and then they tell you, uh, you know, they give you their address. And then as you're coming to their driveway, you see a balloon or some balloons. How many have ever said that? Right. And so you get there and you know when you see the balloon that the party's in there. Right? So, so in the story that we opened up with, which is last Monday's reading, there, there is this balloon that I call a, a, the, the balloon pointing to something. And, and he, here's what it says. The angel said to them, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David, a savior. That's, that's, that's the prize. The savior, the Christ, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. This is the balloon. When you get to the street, when you get to the place and you see the balloon, you know it's there. And this will be a sign to you, you will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. So the manger is like the balloon. The manger is not the point. You, you, the balloon is not the point. The manger is not the point. What is the point? The one inside. 
And so, you know, I imagine, I imagine them going into, uh, into Bethlehem and looking, knocking on the door. Is there a baby born here? Yeah, yeah. Okay, can I take a peek, please? Oh, no, no, that's not that. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Didn't mean to interrupt. And then they finally come to this one door and they look inside and they see a baby wrapped in swirling clothes in a manger and they say, this is the prize. And here's the crazy thing that I want to emphasize to you. This is my point. We often get focused on the blue balloon and we forget what is the real point and the purpose and we forget that the true real reason why the, 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 the angel spoke the word and, the, and Luke wrote the book wasn't to tell us about the manger or the swaddling clothes or, 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 or whatever else is in the God. The main point was to reveal to us Jesus. And so often we get distracted and we get thinking about things like, you know, what, what, you know, what, what, what is the point? What, what, what is, what is the, the, uh, the story? And we get, I, I hear people asking questions. Well, was the manger a wood or is it stone? Or, you know, was it an inn or was it a, a, a stable or, or was it the wintertime or the, you know, was it, was it really the 23rd of September? And, I, and, 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 you know, here's the problem. You're getting distracted from the main points because the main point isn't the balloon. What is the main point? Who is Jesus? And why he came. The main point is keep the main point the main points. I often hear people reading the book of Revelations. I had a lady the other day call me. She says, I'm in this Bible study and I'm very confused. I said, well, yeah, what do you mean? She said, we're going through the book of Revelations and we're trying to, we're trying to figure out the 666 and the Antichrist and the, and, and the, and the mark of the beast. And, and I go, Wow. Here's the problem. You've missed the main point. You know what the main point is? Revelation chapter 1 verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ. And so when you read the book, forget about all that other stuff and look for Jesus. And let me tell you, when you do that, you see this amazing picture of a triumphant Jesus that wins over everything. And so that's the way you come to the story of Luke. Paul says this. He says, everything is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Oh, wow. There's one amen down here. I feel like hopping. Because if you focus on Jesus, your life will change. He says, for his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I may gain Christ, that I may know Christ in the power of his resurrection, that I may know Christ in the power of his resurrection. Knowing him, so the prize is exploring who Jesus is. The prize is knowing that's the treasure. That's the goal when we read Luke. He is, uh, Paul says, he is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn over all creation. 
For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authority. All things were being created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Wow. You talk about, you talk about, we have not even tapped into understanding who Jesus is. He is the main thing. We're going to be closing the service with one more song today. And I want to just remind you of the words. It, it, it says, speak to me. You're the only voice I want to hear. Walk with me. Show me who you are as I draw near. If you're not in it, then I don't want it. Let all else fade away. Take the whole world and give me Jesus. Don't get distracted. Well, I don't know if it's this or that or that. I don't know what I heard about. Jesus. Give me Jesus. Let all else fade away. So as you read, I want to just close by giving you four questions as you read Luke. Four questions that you can use to help this come along. Number one, what does this passage teach me about Jesus. What is his mission? What was his passion? What were his priorities? How was he building up his purpose that the Father gave him to come to the cross? What kind of a, what what was he like with people? How did he treat people? And try to be specific. How can you, how can you be specific and pick something out? That's what Jesus is like. And then you, you, you look at it and examine it. And then the second question is, what does this passage tell about me, myself? And you think about that and you, you start saying, what would others see in me what I am seeing in Jesus? Because here's the thing. Paul says in Philippians, he says, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ. What what. Jesus wants is to develop his nature, his purpose, his mission in all of us. And when I see a a separation between what I am and what he is, then I have to look at myself and say, wow, what is it about his passion that I don't have? What is it about what... This mind, when, when this, do I have the mind? In the word mind, there means passion or it means mindset or it means way of looking at things. Do I have the same one as Jesus has? Do I love people like he loves them? Do I treat people like he treats them? And when that is not the same, what I'm doing than what he, then I have to ask myself, what needs to change with Werner? I can have the Latino Werner. I can have the police chaplain Werner. I can have all the Werners I want to. But there is a Werner that has to emulate Jesus. And then the next question that I, I put up for you to, to, to ponder is the action question. How am I going to respond to this passage? Because we don't need more information. We need response. How can I live out what God is showing me in this passage? 
Jesus didn't say, just read the Bible and, and, and believe in me. He didn't say that. He said, follow me. He said, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. So we're on the same mission. We're on the same passion. We're on the same purpose. So when I, when I suggest that you start a sentence, I will, and here's the action plan. What are you going to do? And then the fourth question is, who will, will I share this with this week? You know, we're very individualistic, but if you want your spiritual life to grow, you grow best with others. And if you want your spiritual life to grow really well, you grow best when you help others. Is there someone you could ask, could you pray with me because I'm really feeling the challenge of this passage or, you know, what do you think of this passage? Did you share with somebody else? Those four questions, if you put them in place, don't focus on the balloon, on the manger, on the this, on the that. Just focus on Jesus and start. What is the first question? It's not on the overhead. I told them to take it off. So what is the first question? Where is Jesus? What is he like? Explore Jesus. The second one is, what does this say about me, right? The third one is, what action am I going to take? And the fourth one is, who am I going to draw into this conversation? Who am I going to be? Who's going to be part of this conversation? So let's close by reading the part of the passage is on for tomorrow. If you want to join us and you say, I've never been joined, I've never done this reading, uh, Luke 4 starts tomorrow. You can go on the webpage. The readings are there for every day. But that's, it's on the, on the screen. You can watch this. It's from the Lumo. Uh, um, if you want to run that now. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, the Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. You saw a spelling mistake. You saw it, didn't you? That was my mistake. 
Don't focus on the blue balloon. Don't focus on, here's what you need to focus on. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. And He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent, sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. Do you know anybody that's a prisoner? You know anybody that's a prisoner? I'm not talking about the jail or the prison system. They're prisoners. But how many of you know there's a whole whack of people? They're in prison. Prison of shame, prison of failure, prison of broken homes, prison of hurts and pains. And He has sent me, said Jesus. And to recover his sight to the blinds. And to set the oppressed free. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. What does this tell us about Jesus? What kind of a... This is the center of the heart of Luke. The ox plodding along and saying, I'm there to pull people out of their prisons, of their, of their difficulties, of their shame. And then what does it tell about me? And I ask myself, is that me? Is that the attitude I have? But if the attitude I have with the, the guy or the gal that at work that's annoying that I want to reach out and grab them by the neck and twist I know the Spirit of the Lord is not upon me. Right? And the same Spirit that was on Jesus and commissioned Him to do that is upon her, is upon her, is upon you, is upon you. And He's calling us now to be His ambassadors in the world. And so the question is, what action do I need to take? You say, well, I don't know. Well, did he not come to save the broken? Then I need to look at people and say, I need to be the one that has the same heart as Jesus. Does that make sense to anybody? So as we sing this song, I want to just first pray with you. Lord, Holy Spirit, come upon us. Fill us and anoint us. That word anointing means commission. It's what they did to kings and priests. You have been commissioned to be his ambassadors in the world. For the broken, for the poor, for the needy, for those in prison. For that was what Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. And he's called us to the same. Not to just have a bunch of more information, but to be on mission for Him. And I pray, God, that this week as we open up our Bibles to Luke chapter 4, we will see you, and then we will see us, and then we will realize, here's the things that Jesus needs to work on me, 
and we will share it with others. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Stand with us as we sing this song. Speak to me, your only voice I want to hear.
you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. May the Spirit of the Lord be upon you. May He anoint you to be Jesus to the world every day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Bring Jesus and explore Jesus in your own life. God bless you. Amen. Thanks for coming, everybody.